0: You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Thursday show for you. We're finally going to get around to talking about the Michigan sign stealing scandal, as I think a punishment is going to be handed down today. I'll give you my thoughts on what I think it should be. Uh, we're also going to talk a little more college football. Speaking of Michigan, big game this weekend for them as they head into Happy Valley to take on James Franklin and the Nittany Lions. James Franklin has not done well against top 10 teams. In fact, he's been flat-out terrible. We'll go over that. We're going to talk about the college over-under total, win totals that I gave you at the beginning of the season, the Friday before the season started. I gave you five of them. Four of them are basically already over, and one of them is pretty much already over. We'll go over those. And I got some week week 10 NFL trends for you uh, to go over as well. In just regular trends and gambling trends in the NFL for this upcoming week. So we'll get to all that momentarily. All right, let's talk about the Michigan sign stealing scandal. For those that don't know, a guy named Connor Stallions, which is literally a porn name. I, I can't even believe that's this guy's real name, but <laughs> apparently it is. Connor Stallions was a former staffer at the University of Michigan. He has since resigned because, of course, he did. It's been proven that he would buy tickets, fly to games of other teams in the Big Ten Conference, and literally just sit there and film the other team's signals, which is illegal. You're not allowed to do that. What Jim Harbaugh's involvement in this has been is still undecided. We don't know yet. There's an ongoing NCAA investigation. But today, there's supposed to be some punishment handed down. Other coaches in the Big Ten want some major punishment for this, because we've never seen anything like this before, and it's not like this is speculation. Ever since this story broke, you've seen the clips probably floating around on TikTok. It's been on Sports Center. It's been on your Instagram pages. Connor Stallion's literally on the side, you know, filming stuff. Connor Stallion's on the sidelines using signals to the defense, again, in the Ohio State game. This is a guy that's just a regular staffer, and there's even a – there's even a clip that I saw of Jim Harbaugh interacting with this guy on the sideline. Jim Harbaugh is the coach of a top five team in the nation. You're not interacting with someone who doesn't on the sideline during a game who can't provide something with to you that's very, very important. So it looks like it's coming down today. And, look, you can't punish the players. This isn't like the Houston Astros sign-stealing incident. Because in that particular story, while it's very hard to believe that the coaches didn't know what was going on, it was still being executed by the players. There was a you know a lower-level staffer who was stealing the signs from the catcher through cameras. They were relaying it in real time to the dugout, and then someone in the dugout was banging a drum for certain pitches. Like, if you heard a, a drum bang or a trash can bang, That means that it was a fastball coming, or it meant it was a change, or you didn't hear it, it meant change up. If you did, it was fastball, whatever. I don't know. There's a whole documentary on this It's supposed to be pretty fascinating. I want to watch it. That breaks down everything, and it was just, this is a system that was in place for a couple years for them, and why they've been, for that run, they were so good. Now, they've been to seven straight ALCSs, so while it did help them for a while, once they were caught, They still made the ALCS and won a world series after they were caught. So clearly they were able to get over it. But for this particular situation, this is just involving coaches and the coaches. If they do everything behind the scenes and they can relay to the defense, Hey, they're throwing a pass play out in the right flat on this next play. Be prepared for that. The players aren't going to question, Hey coach, how'd you, how'd you know that? Where'd you get that from? Like they don't know. So the players are not going to be penalized. However, I don't know what Jim Harbaugh's involvement is, and that's probably what they're trying to find out during the investigation. But this is such a big deal to where, you know, if they punish mid-level staffers on the Michigan coaching staff, nobody's going to care and everyone's going to be up in arms. This is falling on Harbaugh. He's the head coach. He's the leader of the program. And there was a guy running around Rogue, whether he knew it or not, filming the other team's sidelines, which you cannot do. And I have to believe that there's no way that Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh did not know about this guy and what he was doing. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't buy that for a second. If I'm the Big Ten or if I'm the NCAA and they're going to hand down a penalty, I think Harbaugh suspended for the rest of the year. That's the only way you can get these guys because you can't go after the players. But you want to hurt Michigan for for doing something that is probably one of the more egregious penalties we've ever seen in college football before? You suspend their coach for the rest of the year. I mean, he's the guy. Suspending their offensive coordinator or their defensive coordinator or whatever, that's not going to do anything. But you get rid of the head of the snake in this, in Jim Harbaugh, that could have a ripple effect throughout the program. Do they have the balls to do that? I don't know. We shall see. But this is something that's not speculation. That's why there's definitely going to be a penalty for this. You know? We've all seen the proof. We all know that Connor Stallions is a person. We've all seen him on the sidelines of Michigan football games in Michigan gear. <laughs> we also saw him on the sidelines of a Central Michigan game in Central Michigan gear, which is baffling to me. We still don't know the true story behind that or what the hell was going on there? Hell, the head coach at Central Michigan had no idea this guy was on his sidelines. So I don't know. I, I have no idea what to think of that. But clearly, Connor Stallions was doing stuff illegally and doing stuff he shouldn't have done. And I think Jim Harbaugh is going to end up paying. And he should. Because who else are you going to penalize? So that's probably coming down today. We'll be on the lookout for that. But man... This is a big one, and it's going to come two days before Michigan plays their biggest game of the season at Penn State. Now, the problem is, since James Franklin has been at Penn State, they have been horrible playing good teams. James Franklin is 2-15 and 15 against teams in the top 10, whether it's at home or on the road, and most of those games are basically either Ohio State and Michigan. There are some other One's mixed in there where somebody else in the Big Ten was a top-ten team. But most of those losses are to Michigan and Ohio State. Michigan is the better team. Penn State failed miserably when they played Ohio State earlier this year. They couldn't move the ball. And I think Michigan's defense is better than Ohio State's. Yes, they're going to be on the road, and yes, they might have this distraction, and they might even not have Harbaugh on the sidelines on Saturday. Michigan should still be good enough to beat Penn State this Saturday. Should also be good enough to cover the four and a half. So I'm going to hold off. I'm going to see what the punishment is for Michigan. But if for some reason Jim Harbaugh is still the coach, I'm taking Michigan. That'll be one of my plays on Friday is Michigan minus the four and a half. Now, if Harbaugh is named and he's not suspended or anything like that, I think this line goes up. It might go up to five or five and a half. But I'm sorry. I'm betting against two and fifteen. You know, James Franklin doesn't beat good teams. It's proven that's not a small sample size. It's not that he's one in four or two in six. He's two and 15 against teams that are in the top 10. So, yes, could he technically lose and go to two and 16? But you, you know, I lose my bet because Michigan only wins by one, two, three or four points. Yeah, it's possible. But I don't see this being a close game. I just think that Michigan is better all around. They got better players at skill positions. They got a better defense, and Penn State has been known to wilt against good teams. So, I'll take Michigan. However, if Harbaugh is suspended, maybe I'll maybe I'll hold off. You know, maybe I'll just you know not. not doesn't mean I'm going to take Penn State. It just means you know what I won't include this because while Harbaugh missed the first three games of this season, that didn't mean anything because they played a bunch of patsies. So I'm. I'm gonna probably. I, I don't know. I have to see if he gets suspended. I might just stay away from the game at all because there's this. There is a possibility that's like, wow, this team is now rattled, knowing they don't have their coach for possibly the rest of the season. We just won't know until the until the uh, decision comes down. Supposedly it's supposed to come down today, so we will hold out for that. But just know, James Franklin, two and fifteen against top ten teams. That's not very good, and Michigan is. Arguably the best team in the nation right now. They haven't played anybody. Yes, we know this. But it's not like they've played anybody close either. I mean, everybody they play, they rout. And now they're only laying four and a half. Seems like a low number. Some more college football for you. The beginning of the season, if you listened to my podcast on September 1st, that was a Friday, and it was before the first full slate of games In college football, I gave you five college football win totals to bet for the season. It looks like we're going three and two. Four of them are already completed, and we're only nine games into the season. One of them just got completed last night. I gave you Colorado Buffalo's over three and a half. Well, we know they started out, you know, what, four and one, and now they've lost four in a row. So they hit the over. I gave you UNLV under five and a half. Bad read. I mean, this is a team that hasn't, this is a franchise, a program that hasn't done anything in college football. They've been irrelevant. But they went out and made a good hire in Barry Odom, former Missouri head coach. And he's turned that thing around. They are, I believe, seven and two. So they went over five and a half wins. I said under five and a half. Clearly they've gone over. The other one that just clinched last night was Toledo, over eight and a half wins. They are now nine and one. After winning last night against, I can't remember who they beat. Eastern Michigan, yeah, they beat Eastern Michigan forty-nine to twenty-three. They are nine and one. They are going to go to the MAC championship game again, and that was a winner. So two and one on those three that are finished. The LSU under nine and a half wins. That has also won because they lost to Alabama last weekend. That was their third loss. So the most they can win is nine games, and I had them under nine and a half. And then the only other one. So that leaves me three and one on the four that have already been decided. The one I have left is Texas under nine and a half. Probably going to lose that one. So it looks like we're going to go three and two in the college uh, over under win totals. Outside chance we go, you know, it's an outside chance. Texas could lose two of the last three, but we really had a chance at this one when they struggled with Houston and they struggled with Kansas State. If they could have lost one of those two and then had three games left and they could have dropped one of those final three, okay. But I don't think they're losing two of their last three. They're on the road at TCU this week. TCU's been a dumpster fire this year. They're not very good. They're 4-5, and I believe. They're not very good this year. I don't see TCU pulling off that upset, even with Malik Murphy at quarterback. And then I believe they have – Gosh, who does Texas have left? I want to say Ohio uh, Ohio State. Um, I'm drawing a blank, but Texas Tech, I believe, is one of them, and maybe Iowa State. I think those might be the other two games, and I don't know where they're at. But we basically lost this bet when, one, they beat Alabama in week two because I figured that I posted that as when I'm – When I was going through it, I was like, okay, they're going to lose to Alabama, and then I just need them to lose two Big 12 games. Well, um, they lost to Oklahoma. That would have been loss number two if they would have lost to Alabama. And then, you know, when they didn't lose to Alabama and then they lost to Oklahoma, it's like, okay, we still need two losses. Hey, Houston easily could have beat them. Kansas State easily could have beat them. And they escaped with wins. They have not looked good ever since Quinn Ewers got hurt. And I was hoping – Another team could steal one, but they didn't. So we're probably going to lose that bet. They're not going to go 9-3. and three. Could they? It's still a possibility. Yes. They have to lose two of their last three, and those three, I believe, this week is TCU, and then I believe it's Iowa State and Texas Tech. And I just I don't see either of those teams beating them. So those are your five for the season. But, hey, the whole goal is to win more than you lose. So I'm going 3-2 and two, uh, on those. In the NFL – The ones that I gave you were looking really good on those. As I told you, you know, I only did, I did five of them. Four of them were over under win totals. Then I picked one to win their conference. And that was the Saints, or the conference division, I mean. And that was the Saints to win the NFC South. And right now they are in first place. (laughs) Granted, they might be five and four, but they are in first place. But the NFC South is one of the worst divisions in football. It's why I picked them to win. Because I thought they could win the worst division in football. And they're five and four, and Atlanta is four and five. That's second place. Carolina's not winning anything, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are three and five, three and six, three and five. So we got a good chance to win that. The four totals in the NFL that I told you to bet were Steelers over eight and a half. They're sitting at five and three. So they just need to go four and five over their last nine games. I have the Saints over nine and a half sitting at five and four. They got to go five and three over their last eight games, so gonna be a little bit of a chore. They have a good defense, but their offense is just so inconsistent and so poor. I don't expect it. The Carolina Panthers. This is an easy one. I had them under seven and a half wins. They are one and seven. Um, I really don't think they're gonna go seven and two over their last nine after starting the season one and seven. So that's probably you can pretty much mark that as a win. And the Jacksonville Jaguars over nine and a half wins. They are six and two right now, so they just need to go four and five over their last nine games, which I think can happen. So really looking good on that. It definitely looks like three and zero. You know, it definitely looks like at worst we're going three and one, but we have a good shot at four and zero, and that's basically all going to come down to how the Saints finish the season. Um, you know, the Steelers, I. They are a 500 team. I I know, you know. I gave you the stat about the Sealers. While they are five and three this season, they've been outgained in every game, and their point they've been their point differential is disgusting. But they're five and three, and the good thing is they've built up equity to where they don't have to finish the season strong. All they have to do is play under 500 ball the rest of the year. Four and five in their last nine games, and we win our bet. Panthers, like I said, that's basically a winner at this point. And the Jaguars, again, all just have, all they have to do is play under 500 ball, four and five in their last nine games, and we win that bet since they started out six and two. So looking good. Hopefully uh, we can cash in on this. And I'm just going to end with some NFL notes to read with uh, to you. This came from the Action Network, and – some of these have gone over, um, but some of them I want to uh, read again. Obviously, you know about the NFL unders this season 83, 52, and 1, 62%. That's the best through nine weeks of any NFL season since 1990. Monday Night Football unders are 10 and 1 this year and 55, 28 and 1 since 2019. So while it's great this year, over 90% this year, uh, the unders on Monday Night Football. They're hitting at a basically a 67% clip since 2019 for the last um, five seasons. It's hitting um, 67%, so that's huge. That you just don't see that. So Monday night football, I don't know what it is. These teams get an extra day to prepare, and I don't know if they're super prepared or what. But 55-28 and one to the under on Monday night football since 2019 is a very very telling number. Sunday night football this year, like we said, that's eight and one. To the under. So, bet those unders on primetime games. Um, Christian McCaffrey has a touchdown in 17 consecutive games. That ties an NFL record. So, If he scores this week, he sets the NFL record for most consecutive games with a touchdown at 18. The Cowboys are 16.5-point favorites right now against the Giants this Sunday who have named Tommy DeVito their starting quarterback. They are the biggest favorite this season and the third biggest favorite over the last two years. They were 17.5-point favorites against the Texans last year. And on the Giants uh, were 17-point dogs against the Eagles last year. Um, here's something interesting. Look to the under yet again when both teams are on an extended rest, meaning they either played Thursday night the week before or they're coming off a bye. If both teams playing in that game are on extended rest, eight days or more, the under is hitting at 68%, 99, 47 and 1 since 2018, including 23 and 5 this season. There are two games that match that criteria this week. Jacksonville against San Francisco. San Francisco's off a bye. Jacksonville's off a bye. And Buffalo, Denver. Buffalo is coming off. um, They're playing on Monday night, so that'll be eight days rest for them, and Denver's coming off a bye. So let's keep that uh, trend in mind. Once again, both teams that are playing are on extended rest of eight days or more. The under is 99.47 and one. That's 68% in the last six years, including 23 and five just this year. Um, for those who are interested in half, first half and second half bets, the Atlanta Falcons are 2-12 and four on the first half money line, including two and 16 against the first half spread in their last 18 games. So they are slow starters to say the least two and 16 against the spread in the last 18 games in the first half. Okay. And they're six and 20 first half against the spread mark over the last two seasons is the worst in the NFL. Uh, The giants are an under team. The giants are 42, 17 and two to the under since 2020. That's not even that blows every team away. Um, since 2018, the Jets and the Giants are 1 and 15 straight up at home in night games. And since 2018, the Jets and Giants are 2 and 14 straight up in their last 16 road games at night. Here's something interesting. I had no idea. The Colts are the only team in the NFL to score 20 points in every game this season. The Colts. And they stink. They've scored 20 points in 10 straight games. The second longest streak is the Jaguars and Browns. They're at five games each. Indy is 8-1 and one to the over this year, best in the NFL. And I gave you this one yesterday, but here's it extended out even more, and this pertains to Mac Jones, who's been terrible. Mac Jones is 3-16 and 16 straight up and 4-15 and 15 against the spread as an underdog in his career. He's 1 in 14 against the spread in his last 15 starts as an underdog. Over the last 20 years, Mac Jones is ranked 273rd out of 275 quarterbacks as an underdog against the spread. <laughs> 1 in 12 against the spread as an underdog since the start of last season. Uh, the rest of the NFL is 215 and 182 and 10 as an underdog in that span. Jeesh. Yikes! What is New England playing this week? We might have to be, we might have to jump on them. Oh yeah, they're playing in Germany, and they're one and a half point underdogs. Oh boy. I, I mean, do we continue to ride if to fade this Mac Jones trend of him as an underdog? One in fourteen in his last fifteen starts as an underdog, and they're one and a half point underdogs against Indianapolis in Germany. Oh boy. Anyway, there you go. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review if you can. Uh, tell your friends about it. Let them know about this podcast because it's great. I think it is. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See